0: Welcome to the Louis Talks podcast where I do what I do best, chat and talk to people. Now today I've got somebody truly fascinating on the podcast with me, Harry Seaton. Now Harry and I met uh, late 2019 and we met at a marketing meetup event in Birmingham. He was doing a talk and so was I and we connected and he did a fantastic presentation on influencer marketing. Harry, I think, is really unique in the sense that he runs an influencer marketing agency, but he himself is an influencer as well and actually was one of the first micro-influencers to work with massive world-leading brands. So Harry and I have a, a great conversation about what it actually means to build a successful influencer marketing campaign, what people get wrong, why influencer marketing has sometimes ended up with a bit of a bad reputation. And of course, what he does and Fluential as a company to to help write that. And uh, I share a little bit about my experience with influencer campaigns as well from clients that I've worked with. So, um, yeah, I really hope that you enjoy this conversation. I just want to put out a last little thing here that um, it's in amongst the COVID-19 outbreak. So I guess my message is that a lot of us have... A lot to do in business. We're very busy. This podcast was filmed a little while ago, as you can probably tell with my beard length now. My barber is now in fact not open, so I'm going to look like Gandalf um, when we get out of this COVID-19 lockdown. I'm, I'm currently working from home, as is just about everyone else in the country. And the positive for me is that the podcast has been sometimes low on my list of priorities. It's been an incredibly busy last few months for me. And so hopefully with all of this happening, it will actually get me give me chance to, to really grow and develop the podcast again um, and start putting out a lot more regular content. I've got lots and lots of podcasts scheduled now to come out every couple of weeks. So stay tuned. Hope you enjoy this interview with Harry and hopefully he can give you some really, really good tips and ideas on how to build an influencer campaign and what you really need to consider if it's something that you're looking into right hi harry thank you so much for joining me this morning on the podcast um so let's just jump straight in tell the viewers and listeners what it is that you do and how you ended up doing it
1: yeah cool uh and and firstly pleasure to be here as well it's um since you asked me i've just been counting down the days basically so um yeah it's really (laughs) it's really really good to be to be on this it's actually my first ever podcast wow uh so cool Yeah, so there you go. I don't think I could have chosen a better one. So no, it's um, I'm I'm really looking forward to kind of having this conversation. But um, yeah, I do I do influencer marketing essentially. Um, and so I I, so I own an influencer marketing agency. Um, not talent management. I'm sure this will probably will probably end up in in more detail about this later on. But just as an overview, we're not talent management. We um, you know, we, we work with the the brands um just as much as we do with the influencers. So. we'll we'll essentially, our our clients aren't influencers, they are are the brands, uh, and they come to us wanting to work with influencers, um, and we identify the right ones to use and the right ways to use them. Um, So there's a lot of strategy involved as well, and kind of um, an understanding of social media uh, in general, rather than just specifically influencers. Because, um, yeah, I think kind of to to understand the the kind of true mechanics of how you can make them work really, really well, you have to have more of a, a, a broader understanding of it. Um, and that's where we come from, and and, and the reason why that understanding exists, um, I guess the be- the best way to answer that is to kind of give the a, a, a quick story of how I got into it. Um, so from the age of twelve, I've had a YouTube channel myself, um, and I started off making cover videos, singing other people's songs, uh, inspired by the likes of Gabrielle Aplin and Lewis Watson, and all those kind of UK-based singer-songwriters, um, uh, and that. Just kind of sat there, just kind of, you know, bumbled along, didn't really do too much for me um, until uh, until I was 15. Um, and when I turned 15, Facebook allowed personal profiles to have followers, which was like a huge, huge thing, because up until then you could only have a page, and pages were really more for businesses rather than public figures or, or you know, what, what we now call influencers. Um, so that was kind of the, um, I guess, the start of... Um, the influencer world as it now appears, that was for me that feels like the starting point, and I jumped on that with a friend of mine and started making just stupid videos like pratting around and kind of moved away from the music a bit um and we quite quickly gained followers, being some of the only people doing it. you know we ended up um being two of the uh two of the most followed people in the u k at one point on facebook um and from that came loads of opportunities to work with brands, but this wasn't like um you know, O2 and McDonald's, some of the brands that I kind of have gone on to work with since as, a, as an influencer, so to speak. This was like with independent clothing companies. Um, and I kind of started to, I guess, understand that there was value in my influence, in my following. And fast forward a few years of kind of not really knowing what to do, uh, thinking I was going to end up doing maths at university and then not even finishing my A-levels um, because I dropped out to sign a record deal, which ended up being... A complete waste of my time so you know you live and learn Um, and I ended up at a marketing agency um, doing social media kind of using everything I'd uh, learned over these years building social audiences and engaging um, consumers you know and and also turning people into customers because that was one thing I had to do was try and find a way to monetize my audience Um, and then an opportunity came for me to kind of stem out with that with the partners of the agency I was working at to launch an influencer agency, um, because that was where my real expertise was, was in kind of the mechanics of influencer marketing, right from, as I said, right from what I view as the the kind of start of the way that modern influ- um, influence marketing looks now. Um, so that kind of seven years of, of being involved in this industry came together and, and helped us launch Fluential based off, you know, my existing knowledge and network. And now we kind of growing and growing and taking on people and working with more agencies, um, uh, more, more brands rather, and well, and also agencies as well, partner with them. And it's kind of, yeah, just grown into this thing that, um, you know, I, I never thought I'd be doing a few years ago, but here we are
0: very cool very cool i mean i th- i think it's quite unique obviously that you've come through understanding how that works as a as an influencer you know working with brands directly understanding what that process looks like and then obviously now being able to apply that to others so you know you're you're sort of representing both halves where um, uh, you know, obviously, I saw you speak a little while ago at the marketing meetup in Birmingham. But, you know, I, I remember you talking a lot about the fact that actually a lot of people get influence marketing horribly wrong. They just think it's a case of, you know, giving you a Coke bottle and you sort of stand there and your video awkwardly with this brand and think that that's going to actually drive um, influence and interaction with that brand. So I'd I'd love to know your thoughts on why people get it so horribly wrong.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, you know, it's, it's hilarious. And I remember actually, I'm, I must have, clearly the talk must have been half decent then because you remembered that part of it, which is, uh, which I'm very, I'm very flattered by. Um, that was my favorite part of any talk is kind of criticizing that way of working because it just, it's no good for the brand. It drives no real results. Uh, if any results at all, um, and the influencers don't even want to do it. The only reason they ever accept things like that is because of the paycheck, um, which means they're probably not even the influencers you really want to be working with if that's what they're in it to gain. But, but yeah, I think the thing is is that when influencer marketing started to grow, I, I hate I try not to say came about because you know with things like affiliate marketing and word of mouth, that's essentially traditional methods of influencer marketing. So it's just kind of the only reason it's called influence marketing is because I think we needed a new name for it when social media started rising. But um, but yeah, anyway, um, I think that the reason why it's done so badly is because a lot of people seem to just a lot of marketing experts, arguably, you know, people who knew a lot about marketing with various different methods, just forgot everything they knew about marketing. And the reason the reason why they did that and purposefully did that was because I think they saw these big numbers that influencers were pulling—big views, you know, big engagements—and they just kind of took that a bit for granted and thought, well, therefore, I don't really need to put too much effort in. This person's got such a big pull anyway that no matter what they say will be listened to, no matter how they present this product, people are going to love it because they love them. But it's just—it's just not the case. There's a, there's obviously a, there's an element of that, you know, there are. Within any influencer's audience, there are a small portion, maybe 0.1 to 1% that are so hardcore that they will just do what that influencer says no matter how badly they say it or, or what it is. But why would you only want access to 0.1 to 1% of an influencer's audience when you've paid for the whole thing? And and a lot of people just forgot about all their their typical best practices for content marketing and actual advertising and just relied on chucking something to an influencer um, and and hoping that by them throwing it at the wall, it would stick. And, and it doesn't um, only to that tiny, tiny portion. So that's why I think a lot of people have have got it wrong. And there's still such a big element of that. Now, you know, there's still massive campaigns by massive brands where it's just uh, not even the, the influencer. It's just a picture of the influencer's hand holding a product um and it's artsy and it's nicely taken and it's you know it's well edited but it's still it it's not harnessing the power of influence marketing at all because it's just a digital billboard if you do it like that um so yeah i could rant about that for ages anyway <laughs> but I'll, I'll i'll stop there for now
0: <laughs> yeah you know i think it it is interesting that you say that that they kind of forget what it really means to to market to a customer base because obviously a lot of that is specificity to the market it's about understanding the the target audience it's about understanding the impact that that influencer has you know because i think i think that's one thing that obviously i'm seeing more and more and i think that the shame with influencer marketing as far as i see is that a few people that i've spoken to recently have got horror stories um and it is because you know they've purely looked at numbers and gone oh look this person's got you know Half a million followers. Let's do something with them, and it turns out that either they've bought fake followers, or they're mm. a girl in a bikini, and you're trying to sell them a product. And you know the target audience of theirs is probably about ninety-eight percent male, and watching yeah. her just because she's half naked, not really for any yeah. other reason. So, I, so I'd love to know your thoughts on that because I feel like influencer marketing has such massive potential. But there's also been this real initial bumpy period where I think a lot of people, certainly that I'm talking to sometimes, will instantly go, oh, no, that, oh, no, I don't, you know, influencer marketing, there's all these con artists out there who've got fake followers. Mm.
1: Yeah, no, no, you're you're completely right. And I think it comes down to kind of purpose. And purpose is something um, that, that kind of takes a lot of forms within influencer marketing and has to be considered in all the different ways. You know, that's right from the purpose of why are you actually wanting to advertise this product um, and what are you trying to achieve all the way through to why, what is the purpose of these people following this influencer? Um, Because there's lots of different reasons why you might follow someone online. You know, you might follow someone, not, not just influencers, but anything. You might follow someone because they give good news. You might follow someone because they're your friend or your family. You might follow someone because you think they're attractive. Um, uh, And it's, no, it's really interesting that you say that because it is the big thing, you know, a lot of people, they, you know, with, with especially with like the with um, tanning products and beauty products, they will turn to the kind of influence that you're mentioning. You know, kind of the, um, the, you know, certainly girls who are perhaps, you know, wearing slightly less on Instagram. Uh, no easy way around saying it. And I don't think they, they take the face value and the big interactions. and They don't dig into the analytics. And you know, arguably, of course, there are going to be some of those people who do have majority female audiences too but there will also be a massive amount of them that have majority male audiences. And if you're trying to sell a tanning product, then it's probably not going to work too well. Um, so it's, it, you've always got to consider this kind of this, this purpose of why is someone following them? Why would this influencer even want this product? You know, would they, are they able to speak about it, with any authenticity? Um, you know, because a lot of people think that with influence, uh, this is the problem there's all these pre preconceptions and, and, no one seems to take um, kind of a less black and white approach to it. And I think the less black and white you are of it, the better, because some people think, well, they are, you only want to work with influencers that are experts in your field. But then if you make a product that it's impossible to be an expert in, then you're never going to work with anyone. So for example, one of our clients, you know, car insurance, who's an expert in car insurance? You know, I challenge anyone to find an ex because, because why would you be? Why would you spend your life researching car insurance? Yeah, it doesn't happen. Uh, and, and and on top of that, you know that can sell to pretty much anyone. Anyone with a car needs insurance. But you know, there, but then there are other places where that does make sense. So, for example, you know, if you want to sell a cleaning product, um, then you know there there are people who who obviously who are kind of listened to and have authority within keeping a house clean, like for example, I I don't like to use her as an example because she's so mainstream now that that audience has become a bit diluted. But Mrs. Hinch, who blew up from having like the cleanest home on Instagram, ended up on Good Morning Britain. You know, if you'd have hit her in her prime, that would have been perfect for a cleaning product. But then also, again, pretty much everyone uses cleaning products who has a house. So if you can find anyone who just is talking about their lifestyle in their house, whether they're a cleaning expert or not, there's still value in them. And that's why it can't be black and white. It's got to be diverse. And you've got to think you've got to you've got to try and test it. it's new, you know. And and if you if you kind of pigeonhole yourself into one belief about it, um, then you you might be you know, completely missing out on something that could be so valuable um, without realizing. So I, I, I've gone on off, off on a bit of a tangent there, but <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it, it's kind of, it's all about this purpose of why are people following that person? Um, and, and this is something that we consider that all these marketing experts who, who are sadly sometimes getting influencer marketing wrong are used to considering in everything else. But when it comes to influencer marketing and they see the big numbers and they get sucked in by those big numbers and think, well, this will work.
0: So, yeah, definitely, mm. and I think as well it's specificity to platforms as well. I mean, I'm a I'm a big fan of Gary V. Saw him speak uh, in Birmingham a, a few weeks back. Oh um, and, yeah. And, yeah, and, and this is one of the things that he was saying is that actually, and it is so true that each, you know, almost marketplace each audience base within instagram or youtube or facebook or they all have a slightly different way of engaging with audiences audiences Mm -hmm. are in there for various different reasons that content has to be specific i mean i you know I'm probably now sounding a bit old, but you know I've recently got onto TikTok. Just uh, you know, and, and after watching Gary Vee's stuff, and I'm just getting on there because he's like, you need to be on the platform for a few months, just watch and engage and see what it's all about. And you know, I must admit, it's probably showing my age a bit, but I don't really understand a lot of that content. So I think that the danger is as as well there that if i was to go to a tiktok influencer and say well they've got you know they've got a massive following i'm looking again at the numbers and i think this product or this way of or, or you know advertising which might work for youtube is going to work on tiktok and that might not be the case at all and i think you know when even now seeing how brands are using tiktok they are almost like mirroring the way that that audience is engaging with that platform which is quite unique so i think that's another challenge isn't it is how do you actually how do you pick the right influencer and the right way of reaching an audience and it has to be specific to the social media platform
1: you're completely right and the, and the reason is just because i'll I try and kind of use some examples here but with, with um With TikTok, obviously, there are a lot of people who are now suddenly going from nothing to millions, you know, hundreds of thousands and even millions and even tens of millions of followers all through TikTok. And TikTok is arguably, there are a lot of people who are very clever with it, but also you can succeed because... TikTok, the discovery and the algorithm on TikTok is possibly the best for growth out of any other social platform right now. That might change, but right now, that it, it, it is the best. You know, I've, I'm quite new to TikTok myself. Um, I've obviously I've been on there, I've been watching, I've been getting ready because eventually there are going to be some really great opportunities. I want to make sure I can capitalise on them. Um, I've got a few videos out there, and you know, when I even just when I had 10 followers, I was able to pull in like a thousand views by using the right hashtags. Um, which is crazy. And, you know, and I've neglected my TikTok account recently, but just from probably all in, if I added up every minute that I've spent making a TikTok, I probably spent an hour in total. And I have like 155 followers, which isn't huge, but from an hour's worth of work and no spend, no anything. And if I kept doing that, I've no doubt it would continue to grow because there was momentum when I was doing it. But what I, again this is i'm going to keep using that p word purpose here but it, it, it is so true because so for example with youtube okay say you've got someone who is a daily vlogger um and then you say we'll take we'll take we'll take three maybe we'll take four examples actually so we'll take a youtuber who's a daily vlogger we'll take a youtuber who um kind of creates let's uh gaming videos and then we'll take uh, an Instagram an Instagram person who shares their lifestyle um, and kind of dabbles a bit in Instagram stories, too. And then we'll take a TikToker. So if you've got the YouTuber who's a daily vlogger, arguably going to have one of the most engaged audiences, whether their engagement stats, like their likes, comments and shares reflect that, the to the blind to the naked eye in comparison to some of the others they will because that audience will feel so connected to them because they see the ins and outs of their life every single day they are so engaged to that person the gaming youtuber now if they have a bit of a standout personality then maybe this will be different but a lot of the time people are watching because they're interested in the content rather than interested in the person Um, they still have a massive Place within the influencer in the influencer world, um, especially the ones with the standout personalities, Um, and you know some of the ones who you know, especially when it comes to like gaming products. Obviously, if they are a good gamer, then they kind of come off as an expert, so it's going to help. The Instagram lifestyle person, if they're doing lots of stories and lots of in the moment content, they probably got a fairly good connection with their audience. But if they're just posting nice pictures, probably not great. Again. They will have power recommending products that are similar to ones they've been using all this time because that's how they built their following, um, but not a huge, huge amount of influence. Then finally, the TikToker. And the TikToker is really interesting because let's say this TikToker had no other following on another social platform. So they built their, their, their platform purely on TikTok. So whilst TikTok does rely on personality, a lot of the time, You're not talking direct to the people in your content. You're not, you're not sat here like we are now having a conversation. Like you might be on YouTube or even like you might be on Instagram stories. Maybe you're funny. Great. That, that definitely does build a following. Um, Maybe you're talented. Great. Again, that builds a following, but the connection that your audience are going to have with you is going to be very, very minimal because they don't really know you. They don't really know you. They don't really trust you. They're not really influenced by you. However, if you take that daily vlogger now and they also have a TikTok channel, then the chances are their audience on TikTok are quite well, can be quite well influenced because they're the people who already have a connection with them from somewhere else. And, if, and likewise, if that TikToker was to diversify the hardcore TikToker, branch out into something like YouTube where they can form a deeper connection with their audience then in turn their audience across all their socials is, you know, their their power and their influence is going to grow. Um, so it's kind of, it, it's, that's why you have to kind of look into it all because if this person's on TikTok, they've got 10 million followers, but that's all they have is that TikTok then essentially they are going to be more of a bit of a digital billboard for a brand, but that's, I mean, that's fine, but then you have to get more creative with your marketing because you can't rely as much on the fact that this person, everything they say is listened to and trusted because it's not. So you've got to really think of a good way to advertise as you would with TV. You know, it's, but I'd still argue that it's better, even when they don't have as much of a connection than advertising in a way where it's your brand advertising itself, because I mean, there's even less of a connection there between your brand and some random person, whereas at least this person is already followed by those people. Um, So, it's kind of yeah it's 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 like there's levels to it, and it, it it all comes down to the level of connection they have with their audience, and there are ways that we can assume that beyond engagement just by looking at what they're doing and the type of content they're doing and the type of interactions they're receiving, you know, not how many comments, but what are the comments you know what how do these people actually respond to this person? How well do they seem to know them um, so yeah I think I, I think knowing which platform you need to be on it just didn't, it, it's very different for every person, but you, you know, you kind of, like you say about having TikTok and anyone who's, who, you know, listens to the podcast right now should definitely have a TikTok if they don't, just to be there, just to be keeping up with it. Um Because one day it might have some opportunities that you will really regret missing out on um if you're not there right now.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think it's an interesting thing, isn't it? Because, you know, even when you look at some of the early YouTubers, um actually, you know, they were on those platforms sometimes earlier than anyone else. It wasn't that they were putting mm. out the best content in the world. It wasn't but actually the early adopters, I think there's a real um there's a real case for being in that space early on. Um, and I also mm. think, like you said, it gives you a better understanding of of how to then market to that audience. If that thing is going to grow and it's going to develop. And and let's say, you know, let's for most businesses right now on TikTok, there's probably not an amazing potential to to market. If you've got Mm. products that are, you know, games or something, you know, towards a younger generation, maybe it is a good place to be. But I think in general, but that's not to say that that's not going to change in the near future. You can already see that even from engaging with it for a couple of months, I'm noticing more and more of an older audience appearing on TikTok now. Mm. I think as people start to talk about it, um, and there seems to be recently a lot more business content on there. This kind of you know entrepreneur type stuff on on there as well. So like you said, I think it's just yeah. about being there, understanding and, and reading the you know what's going on in in these platforms. So you know I I think the interesting thing is for for me with the whole influencer space is actually I think that a lot of businesses can learn a lot from that space because I think that one of the things that I feel like influences have really done in the marketing space and I know it's a word that gets so overused but it is authenticity you know when Mm. we're now seeing these really hyper human brands where you know like the YouTube vloggers the daily vloggers you know the audience have such a connection with that person and it's such an authentic connection you know when you're watching their videos you're literally you know it feels like you're getting a window into their life you're you're a friend who's just happened to be there at that moment and capturing it with them so I think I'd love to know your thoughts on what actually what brands I think and businesses in general can learn from that space
1: yeah definitely I think it's two really interesting points you make there like the first one with the early adopters I um, I mean it and anyone who is completely new to influence marketing this is a you know I'll put it in a term that literally anyone anyone can uh, can understand here is that in the same way that if you have a friend of one week and you give them a recommendation, how different is that to if you have a friend of five years and you give them a recommendation you know how much more likely is the friend of five years? To listen to you, um you know, it's it's much more likely. So it's it's a similar thing if you've been building your audience over years, and a lot of those people have been there for. The kind of value you can have over those uh, could potentially be huge, um, and the, and and you know, brands can benefit from doing that too. And that's why, like we said about being on, uh, we both said now about being on TikTok to be there ready for when that opportunity happens. Because the longer the longer you've been there, that you know, I mean, time is like. Uh, you know, it's it's the one thing that we all wish we had more of. Um, and if you're on TikTok today, then, you know, it's an opportunity to be on there a week longer than everyone who signs up next week and a month longer than everyone who takes until next month to sign up. Um, and within that, you never know what you might discover or might be able to do. Now, in terms of um, kind of what brands can learn from from these kinds of people is that there is an opportunity for you to become an influencer. As you say, these hyperhuman brands um, I think it's really interesting because you know you can you can 100% become an influencer as a brand. You know, there you know it, it. Obviously, the one challenge is having the right people within the company that are able to kind of be this face of it. Um, and with you know with larger brands, it's going to be very very hard um, because you know there's. I mean, for example, you, you can't imagine Adidas being able to make their marketing manager the face of Adidas, but then equally, the CEO's probably not got enough time. So it's kind of a bit of a lose-lose, but with startups and SMEs, there's a huge opportunity for you to become that influencer for you to you know be a bit bolder and a bit braver with it um and and start talking about things you know within your industry and everything like that whether that's uh, more business focused on linkedin um if you're kind of b2b which still massively works or whether you are a product you know you are selling to consumers and you want to get in on youtube and tiktok uh, and instagram and twitter and everything like that um, and one really interesting example actually um, is a is a is a company that um, I didn't even realize this was them, but you messi- uh, mentioned me in a comment on the CEO's post, um, George from HoneyPot, I think it was, yeah, yeah. and yeah, uh, um, and I'd, I'd seen them before from their viral marketing stunt when they did the, the billboard in London with the um, with the pretend writing from the ex-girlfriend on. But something really interesting is if you go to their Instagram uh, right now, you'll see that the profile picture is the two founders and not the company logo. Um, and that is so bizarre, but shouldn't be, because really more people should have realized that that's a good move. But they are the faces of the company more than the company is the face of itself. They they are the people who are out there. The, the marketing stunt involved the founder. It was all revolved around the founder. And actually, because he talked so much about the company, he included his own Instagram rather than in. really clever, because people obviously far more far more kind of um, likely to follow him than the company. But because he's always talking about the company anyway, the company is still gonna get the traction from it. So he's really, really involved himself in it. Um, And Honeypot could grow to be absolutely huge. And And if it does, it will always have been with him. And then they won't have this problem that some of these more legacy brands do have, where they're now far too big. And the structure is far too embedded within them to be able to kind of break into this space because also you kind of just be a bit like what the hell is going on suddenly adidas launched a youtube channel where a couple of the employees were like trying to be influencers you just think what are you doing like you're used to seeing them on tv you're used to seeing adidas in your facebook adverts in your instagram adverts or working with massive celebrities um and i think when you're in early, you know, in an early stages of being a brand or a business, that's when no one has any, any kind of preconceptions about you, and you're able to write your own playbook. Um, and I think that's just an opportunity that you've got to make the most of because all these bigger brands, potentially competitors of yours, can't do that anymore without it looking forced and weird. Um, so, yeah, I think I think just by being a part of the influence world, just keeping track on influences you'll naturally just start to pick up tips and tricks from them. Um, So, yeah, it's all about being present. And then if you choose to action on that, great. Um, If you don't, at least you've got the knowledge ready for when you potentially work with other influencers rather than turning yourself into one.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You're so right. And I say this to so many clients, especially, as you said, the SME business space is they have this amazing opportunity to be a human brand. Whereas, Mm. you know, exactly right, a lot of other companies don't. And so mm. I think there is a uh, you know a fear and, and a resistance to doing that. Um, you know, a lot of people are uncomfortable in front of cameras. I think the one advantage that maybe the younger generations have got is you know because they grew up with smartphones from such a young age, they've actually been used to this kind of yeah. um, connection through their phone, whereas I think even for me in my generation. Um you know we were like bluetoothing each other acon songs in parks when we were fifteen and sixteen, so it just what we didn't have the same relationship with our phones it was yeah, it was like you texted each other occasionally, but th- that was kind of it really, and maybe the odd phone call whereas now everything passes through that portal you know your whole Mm. contact network everything you're doing your social network the people that you follow the brands everything you're able to reach through that mobile device so i think there is i you know I, i say to a lot of people as well that there needs to be this sort of meeting between the generations and there's a lot of talk about millennial generations and there's a lot of negativity online um, but I think more businesses have to realize that actually it's a massive advantage, but it's about integrating that inside the company. You know, um, I've said to quite a few clients recently that, you know, you need to get some apprentices in the business who are younger, mm-hmm. who you can train with the traditional marketing strategy, but they can bring yep. the understanding of social. It's it's really the, the coming together of those two things.
1: No, I couldn't agree more. And I think this is, this actually, if you look at most influencer agencies in the UK, um, some of them actually use it as a full on selling point that their average age is, you know, like, I don't know, we average age of 24 or average age of 22 or some, some of them are like average age of 20 and you just think crikey because the thing is is that appears to be a benefit because you can say you can sell it on the fact that other, oh, so they all grew up with influencer marketing. Yeah absolutely great but influencer marketing what about when there's a wider campaign that involves a lot of different angles but then none of these people have ever been exposed to Um, and uh, you know it's going to sound a bit hypocritical at first because you know I'm uh, I'm 22. So, you know, I would, but I'd never claim to have, um, you know, the, the experience in the white. I feel like I have a very good understanding of um, all areas of marketing, but I'm not an expert in a lot of them. However, um, with us specifically, and I guess this is my, my one cheeky plug, is that, um, you know, I've come from, you know, we're, we're part of a group of agencies um, and we partner with other agencies, um, you know, and partner with, you know, really talented people like yourself who have been, been doing this longer than I have who I then end up picking up this understanding and extra experience from all of those people. But the thing is, if I was to sit in a room with the people who were just me, if I was sat in a room full of me's, all I would know is what I've is, is what i grown up with, which is that influencer marketing angle. So sure, we'd probably be awesome at influencer marketing. But the moment you wanted that influencer marketing to integrate with something else, I'd probably think, oh, I've never done that. How on earth am I meant to do that? What I don't know anything about that. Um, and it 's really, really dangerous, and I think that 's why I genuinely could not agree more with what you 've just said about how they should get the younger people in who have already got a bit of an understanding about that and then train them in the traditional ways so that they end up with a more rounded approach because. I, and I think that's not just true of influence marketing. That's true of any area of marketing. It's always handy to be an expert in yours, but have an understanding of the others because the chances are you're going to have to work with those other teams at some point um, and, and with those other methods anyway, whether it's you doing it or someone else, you need to know how it works ready for when it happens. Um, so, so yeah, I think, you know, there, there definitely needs to be a bit of a shift in kind of people um, just purely Working with younger people when it comes to influencer marketing, um, they they definitely need the balance. Um, and and you know that I'm sure that will change because that was the you know that was the case with marketing agencies not too long ago where it was cool to sell it on the fact that you were all young, whether you're influencer marketing or not. But then hang on a minute, what about these pe- what about people who are like 40, 50, 60 who have been understanding the psychology of consumers for decades, for longer than some of these founders have been alive. And all these principles still apply no matter what area of marketing you have. And we're just ignoring them because all oh, they're old and they don't have Snapchat. And it's like, <laughs> who, get, who cares if they have Snapchat, they know how to sell to people, which is what we need to do no matter what method we're using. Um, so yeah, I think there's like, you know, there's, there, there's definitely an error in a lot of people's ways at the moment of just kind of neglecting people above 30, which is just ludicrous.
0: Yeah, you, you're so right. I mean, I, I I have seen a lot of those um, ad, ads and stuff like that, particularly on Instagram recently, where there's um, mm. a founder talking, and you know, straight away it's we've got an average age of 21, 22, 23, and and like you said, you know, yeah. to an extent, it you know, it gives you an understanding of of a particular marketplace, which is great. But like mm. you said, there's there's always that needing for the backing of of long standing experience, because I think that you know, and it's one of the things I love about Gary Vee, he's saying, you know, never be one dimensional with your marketing. Yeah. And, and I think yeah. that the challenge is that obviously as the digital world grows, and I think that there is a sense, I say to a lot of brands, you know, you have to be in the digital space because you have no choice now. You know, eight years ago mm. you did, but now that's just how people are engaging with content. However, it doesn't mean that other forms of marketing are dead. And um, I've got a real bee up my bonnet about, um, you know, gifts and appreciation Mm. of customers. And that's something that has to be physical. You know, um, I in my own business and and clients businesses always say, you know, think about the last 10 orders you had. um, And then, you know, not the biggest, not the smallest, but what gifts did you send out to them? to show appreciation Mm. for that business. You know, and and that's a super old school mentality of you could call it marketing, you could call it customer journey. But, um, you know, I learned it from our local butchers in the local village when I was, you know, a kid. Uh, Every so many orders, you'd go in, they'd give you a free pack of sausages or bacon or something to show you appreciation of, you know, restaurants are very good at doing that. When you've got your local restaurant and you've gone in many, many times, occasionally they'll give you a bit of money off or a free dessert or a free drink or Mm. something. And it is just that appreciation. So I you know I I see that well that's marketing. Um it's just very differently dimensional to influencer marketing. And I think the worlds can come together. And I think when they do they can be even more powerful. But it's you know it's one one learning from the other. Um so I, I guess I'd I'd love to know your thoughts on where the influencer space is right now. Um, and and what you see sort of happening in the next you know I guess year or so and and I guess you know what what people should be aware of
1: yeah definitely Um, so I think right now uh, influencer marketing seems to and I'm just going to put try and put a figure on it but just from my my eyes only um, and in the UK I'd say about 80% of influencer marketing is taking place on uh, Instagram and YouTube Um, which is, you know, which is, which was kind of inevitable, um, to one extent, you know, when influencer marketing became started to truly become what it is today, it was mainly through YouTube. Um, and then obviously Facebook still had quite a big place and so did Twitter. Actually, Twitter seems to have just left completely now. Um, like I I honestly can't tell you the last time I paid an influencer to tweet, um, because just, you know, kind of with the way that the the content is received on there and how conversational it is, ads stick out like a sore thumb on Twitter. They, they don't look nice. So sometimes we might, sometimes we might, if we, I I tell you what, actually sometimes we use Twitter to support other content. So if we've commissioned a YouTuber to do um, a YouTube video, the chances are they'll probably tweet it anyway, because it's their video. They want it to perform well. Um, But maybe if we wanted to give it an extra push, we might then commission a tweet to, for them to tweet it again um, because again the kind of the value to their audience is the reminder of the video it's not the not it's not it's never going to go viral you know and some clients want that v word all the time um, and you kind of have to tell them that's you know actually you don't want to go viral you just want to reach the right people um, but not that virality doesn't have its own place, that's a whole other conversation. But um, but yeah, it's kind of, so right now, it's more Instagram and YouTube. And the reason is, is that YouTube, again, allows for that more deepened connection between audience and creator, because you can do longer content, people are, people go there for longer content. You know, you can post longer content on Facebook, you can post longer content on Instagram too now, it's still not quite as long, but you can, but it's not why people are there. It's again, it's that purpose thing, it's people are, people are on YouTube, People, I, I'll go on YouTube and I'll click on a 25-minute video and that that's fine, which sounds crap. Which sounds crazy because, you know, it's like, well, that, yeah, it's not a massive commitment. But if I went on Instagram and something came up that was 25 minutes, would I watch it? Absolutely not. If I was on Facebook and I see a video that's more than 60 seconds, I probably won't watch it because I'm not fussed. And same with Twitter. So there's, that's why YouTube's got its value. You can do a slightly deeper brand integrations um, or, or you can have say a 30 to 60 second brand integration on a video uh, but that video could be 20 minutes so it's a smaller section of the video so it doesn't stand out too badly Um, and then with Instagram the main reason why and everyone says that it's because it's visual and it's a great way of showing off products and it's a great way of doing this and that but actually truth be told and if people have different opinions then fair enough but my opinion and why we're moving to Instagram a lot at the moment is because of the options for calls to action. It's because of stories having swipe up links. It's because they now do branded content partnerships where we can put our own social boosting budget behind an influencer's post. The influencer benefits because they reach more people. We benefit because we see all the results as they happen. It makes it way more measurable and we can just amplify that content. Um, so we're kind of in those two places. And then the other 20%, I'd say that probably about 5% of it is already now TikTok. And that is going to grow and grow and grow. Um, And that will fully explode when TikTok announces its self-service platform um, for ads because that will come. It will definitely come. They've already uh, penciled it for uh, early 2020 for the UK. I'm pretty sure it already exists in the US at the moment you can launch like massive sponsored campaigns and people like H&M have done things like that and there's also record labels using it to push songs because obviously you don't you know music can be added to any TikTok but eventually there will most likely I don't know how they'll work yet maybe it'll be that when you scroll because obviously you scroll up to get to each video maybe it'll be that you'll scroll and there'll be an advert there I don't know maybe it'll be that you'll be able to come on in the loading screen however it happens it will happen and therefore people will start to uh, take advantage of that because likely along with that influencers will get better options for sending people out of the platform because right now your only real nice options are would be to change your instagram or youtube um social handle that you're allowed to display on your tiktok to maybe a brands and then maybe try and integrate integrate that with your video to make it obvious that's what you've done it would be a bit jarring um so then the other percentage of that, I would say the remainder is made up with podcasts and those two things are what are g- is what's going to grow and grow and grow. So those two are going to start to eat away into a bit of that budget that's currently being spent on YouTube and Instagram. Um, and again, with the podcast, it's purely because eventually the platforms are probably going to realize that, you know, they can attract more podcasts, more podcasts, attract more brands, attract more money if they allow for influencers to include, you um, you know, pop-ups and options for uh sponsors to um you know to have their links within podcasts so i know obviously a lot of the time you're listening and uh, you can't really do anything if you're told about a product i mean if you're on a four-hour drive for example you listen to a podcast for our podcast they mention it in the first 30 minutes you might have forgotten it by the end i could definitely see some kind of um option coming in soon that at the end of that podcast, I don't know, you're sent some kind of list or you receive some kind of list of the sponsors or there there might be an option for that, for brands to pay more for it. Um, But regardless, it will grow anyway. Again, it comes back to that deepened connection. You're kind of, you're listening to someone for so long that you are really engrossed in what they're saying. You obviously really, really like that person to choose to have them in your ears for hours um, so you obviously really like me, Louis, and I obviously really like you because we're <laughs> sat here with each other in our ears. Um, and, and same with, and then again, with TikTok. Yeah. So those are the, you know, those. That's where I see it going. But with Instagram and YouTube still being a big part, I'm still taking up way more than kind of fifty percent of the activity. Um, but it'll all depend on the features. If TikTok scrap the self-service advertising platform, um, then. You know, it might, it might all go, all go wrong for them. uh, Equally, if the self-service advert advert platform comes out and it's awesome and for some reason, TikTok users engage with ads really well and really cheaply, people might not bother as much with the influencers because they'll just run their own brand ads. Um, and same with podcast. If there isn't kind of any innovation in the way that you can sponsor a podcast, then maybe it will die off eventually, or just stay at the same level. Um, you know, there's there's kind of there's no there's there's no telling. These are just you know my predictions, um, but hopefully they're right. We shall see. <laughs>
0: fantastic well we'll refer to this video in a couple of years and see see what happens yeah. but but yeah, yeah I, th- I think i think it's it is a really interesting space right now at the moment to see what's happening i think it's very exciting because i think mm-hmm. that there's more change and development in the last few years than there's kind of ever been within the marketing space and although yeah. i suppose you could say that there are the they're all new ways of doing the same things that have always been done but i think yeah. that it's it's the range that you can reach and i think that what what kind of excites me is that you know we we've kind of seen that organic reach decline on facebook and instagram and then you've got kind of linkedin and tiktok that have popped up and so then they're really building that organic reach and people are really engaging with that content so i think you know the exciting thing in the future is seeing what's going to happen long-term with this space because there's going to have to be more diversity because I think just putting a gateway in and saying, if you want to get known on, uh, you know, Instagram, you're either going to have to spend, you know, eight hours a day on the thing or you're going to have to pay an awful lot of money to reach those audiences. Um, And I think that it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with some of these newer platforms Um, and whether they decide all to go down exactly the same route as Facebook and Instagram have done. Um, Mm. So yeah, super super interesting. I mean, I think one of the questions that I often get from people about influencers is sometimes people are a bit resistant to the idea they've heard about it. I think they've seen that it works, but they're nervous of whether it works for them. So I guess that gap in between okay, I'm ready to go to an influence agency and do something and, and do a proper campaign. But there's that sort of gap in the middle where there's, you know, a lot of talk about micro influencers and, you know, being able to do things almost like a test bed. So what would your thoughts mm. and advice be on on that period for a business where they're not quite sure, but they want to do something to explore the the idea?
1: Yeah, well, this is going to sound so, so, so silly, because if I, if I, no matter what I say, because if I push agencies, then people might think it's just because I own one. And if I say, try it yourself, then people might think I'm mad. Um, so I'm going to kind of go try and settle somewhere in the middle. Um, so obviously it's a, it's a, it's a new area. Of, it's, like I say to you, it's not a new area of marketing, but how it is now is a new area of marketing. Um, so with agencies, if you can find an agency that you trust, if you can find one who genuinely has, um, you know, ex- has been around as long as it is possible to have been around here, of which I believe that, you know, quite firmly that we are one, um, not to say that we're the only one, but I believe that we're a very good option, then, then you know, then great because it is one of those things that is easy to get wrong um, and you want to make sure that you're working with experts and people who are going to get it right that being said, depending on your product, it might actually be a lot easier than you think to find influencers. Um, and if you can, um, and this, this is only going to really work for B two C who are selling quite low value products. Okay. Because things like, for example, um, so for example, our car insurance client, um, I wouldn't necessarily recommend them to this. They probably need a bit more expertise because car insurance can obviously cost 300 quid, but it could cost 3000 pounds. Um, so there's a bit more risk involved. However, if you're um, and, and we've done this for a couple of clients and and truth be told if they kind of put kind of um you know a bit more research into it they maybe could have done it themselves but they obviously didn't have time or didn't want to i can't complain uh, it was a client for us great um so what i would say is that with for example i use them as example so a chocolate company actually um and and um also a um a toy company so Gifting and product gifting, and actually something that you've already mentioned today, is is a great way to engage influencers and kind of test how influencers react to you and the type of content that you could expect to receive from influencers with your product. Um, and you, you you'll never be able to guarantee results with gifting because some people. Um, the, the thing is with gifting is it's very hard to demand a post from someone unless they are a much smaller influencer because they're probably used to being paid. So gifting is really weird because I could gift something to someone with 2,000 followers and they might do me 10 posts because they're over the moon. They're not used to receiving products. They've never even received money for a post. So this is a big deal to them. Equally, I could gift someone something with 5,000 followers, so not much more, and they could be used to getting paid because maybe they have a, they're, they're experience in the industry. They have a good agent. They're used to getting paid and they might not post it. Equally, I could give something to someone who with 10K who would actually be willing to post it completely for free, but they just forget. And then on top of that, I could give something to someone with a million followers and just because they really love it, they just post it. Um, and you just end up hitting a million followers for the cost of a product. So on top of that, because you're not really dictating someone what to do, what to say, you'll also see how an influencer perceives your product and how they would sell it to an audience, which could give you inspiration on how to sell it yourself. Um, So it's really quite a good idea. And like I say, the only problem is, is that this won't apply to everyone's brand and everyone's business. Um, But it's a really good way to test it, um, uh, you know, without a big investment, you're just sending product. And the one thing I would say to anyone who is considering doing that is to really, really go to town on how personalized you make the receiving of that product. You know, I mean, the the wrapping make sure that it is you don't just stick it in an amazon box and send it out you know wrap it up write a note Handwrite a note if you really want to increase your chances of getting it posted hand write a personalized note saying you know we really hope you like this product if you would be so kind as to post it our, our tags are this um and, and it would be really really you know really mean a lot to us if you're a small family run business send them a picture of your family and say look at us this is us so you know us build that connection with that influence say this is my family business um, and we're really trying hard to achieve great things and we really like your content um, so we wanted to send this to you and if you would like to post it that would mean so much to us all here's all our smiling faces uh, you can see you can picture that while you're posting it and um, yeah and get it out and and you know that's that's happened with me i've worked with some I've worked with some small brands. I've worked with some massive brands as an influencer. I've worked with, you know, O2 and McDonald's, and I've been and Coca-Cola, and they've paid me, um, you know, good good money to do these brand deals. But then equally, I had Boots. Um, Boots did a campaign like a Christmas gifting campaign, and they sent me a perfume to give to my mum for Christmas. And they boxed it in this incredible box, absolutely stunning. And on the box was like a a bit for writing. And they'd written in it like, Harry, really hope your mum enjoys this perfume. Uh, Merry Christmas from all of us at Boots. And, you know, I took pictures of the entire thing. I took pictures of the box. I took pictures of the note. I took pictures of the product. They got so many posts from me, so many more that people that had paid me actually got because of how much effort was put into it but and and actually weirdly it was nothing to do with the fact that it was boots because sometimes there'll be a vanity with these bigger brands because people want to be seen to working with big brands but actually i'd worked with brands much bigger than boots and it didn't mean anything to me that it was from boots it was it was the effort i was just astounded by the effort that someone had put into me who's arguably quite a small influencer um but realistically, that probably only took me about 10 minutes, you know, because the box was, wasn't was handmade. They just bought a nice one. And the the note was about three lines long, but it was awesome to have got it. So, you know, there are they're, they're just uh, so many little touches you can put. So that's what I'd say is gift and really go to town with it. And if that's not an option for you, or your brand or your business, um, then look into agencies, especially some of the smaller agencies. You know, for example, with us, we will take on smaller campaigns with the for the you know for the right people it's not that you need to spend tens of thousands of pounds um, and there'll be other agencies out there that do the exact same you know some of the bigger people um, you know are known to have kind of minimum rates of like 15k and if you're a startup you might not want to spend that but there are plenty of people out there who will know how to spend that the right way for you Um, but as with everything just research if you're doing it yourself research if you're finding an agency research have chats like this with them see what they actually know if they get found out
0: on a Skype call. Very true, very true. And I I think it's an interesting time because I found this quite interesting. I've done a few smaller influencer campaigns in the past um, and a lot of them, this is going back a few years now, a lot of them were super Mm. happy to do stuff for gifts. And Mm. I'm really seeing a shift now to where even smaller influencers, now it might not be huge amounts of money. You know, we're not talking thousands and thousands of pounds but but it, you know hundreds for a post yeah. or a couple of posts or whatever it might be but there is now an expectation that they're going to get something because i think mm. more people are realizing that as long as their audience is targeted um, they've got good engagement and you know I, I think the other my piece of advice is just if if you're ever going to work with an influencer ask to see their their engagement stats because yeah. they, i've talk to quite a few brands that haven't done that and have been burnt by it um so i think that's a really key thing but yeah i I see this real shift happening to where a lot of influencers expect to be paid and i think this is it it's like it's there's nothing wrong with it and actually i think in terms of getting out there you know if, if you were to look at the reach that a lot of influencers have got. They're going to reach more people than, you know, city center billboards. And you will pay a huge amount of money for a city center billboard still today. Um, And yet you have no idea who's going to pass that billboard. There is no, no concept of targeting. It's just there. And if the right people happen to walk past on a certain day, great. But if they don't, well, you know, you lose. Whereas I think yeah. this is the advantage with the influencer space is as long as they're happy to share their, you know, their stats with you, you really do have a much better idea of who those people are.
1: No, yeah, absolutely. I think it's, the billboard example is really interesting because, you know, people uh, a lot of them are sold based on kind of they'll, you know, you'll ask for the details and they'll give you the. the the traffic and say, well, there's, you know, there's a hundred thousand people pass this billboard every day. And you think, yes, but how many thousands of those are children, you know, who, who can't read yet? How many thousands of those are children who just can't buy it yet because they have no money. Um, and you know, and how how many other thousands of those people are just everyone else who sits outside of my target demographic. Um, you know, so they, they have their place. Of course they do, you know, for awareness exercises, but actually this is the, the strange thing is that, for a long time I've been trying to tell people that influencer marketing um, isn't just awareness because for a long time it actually, people, that was the narrative that was pushed. People said that influencer marketing was great for brand awareness but actually hardcore sales or anything like that, don't bother. And um, actually it's the complete opposite. There are so many traditional methods of marketing that are far more just awareness exercises. Whereas influencer marketing can be both. It can be just awareness if you want, By all means, get some massive influencers. Don't stick any calls to action on it and just make it a massive awareness campaign. But if you want to drill down into specific people um, and you want to have those calls to action, you want to be able to measure every sale you get from each individual influencer you use, then you can do that. The options are there. Um, And if you hear people saying it can't be done, it's because they've not worked with anyone who can do it, clearly. Um, But you'd be surprised at how many people can do it it's just we're probably too busy doing it to shout about the fact that we can do it which is why this is my first ever podcast in the uh, 13 months of owning a business
0: <laughs> brilliant <laughs> i think everyone everyone's guilty of it i mean i i think there there's a bit of a joke within the agency world that Um, I was with a friend who's got an agency in Birmingham and they've been doing their new website for months and months. And he even said, he's like, I I was almost tempted to get it outsourced to another agency because we haven't got time. So I think there's always this funny thing within Uh, you know, marketing and branding that actually you do it for other people, you do it for clients, but actually sometimes when it comes to yourself, you know, everything else kind of comes first. So, yeah, it is super interesting. Um, So I guess, Harriet, like any parting advice for anybody who's, you know, looking to get involved in the influencer marketing space? And I think, you know, coming under two categories, either I think I'm interested, but not quite sure where to go next, or I'm interested, but i'm also cautious because of all the horror stories i've heard
1: mm-hmm. yeah so the first thing i think would be chuck yourself uh for the first type of person who's interested but kind of yeah just not sure where to go next um start by just chucking yourself into as many of the platforms as you can um you know ex- experiment with finding some of your own influences too because then you know, looking at people who are talking about things similar to what you would want your influencers to be talking about. um, Maybe talking about competitors of you, understand how they're doing it as well. Um, And once you've found that, obviously it means that when you, if you talk, whether you do it yourself, you'll have picked up knowledge, whether you go to an agency, you might have then a slightly, a bit of an understanding of what you could expect them to say and the type of people they might recommend to you, and it might start to make a bit more sense. Um, But by all means, get as involved with all the platforms as you can. Um, and, and you know, that's not to say go and make an account on all of them necessarily. If you're something that you just, if you're a product that you just outright know that won't sell on TikTok, I mean, I'd still advise making one and having a look, but don't spend all your time doing all your research on there. If you know that you're not going to use it, um, or that it could never really work for you because like, for example, your B2B or something, um, because that would be years off. That's something like that working. Um, and then if you're the, so, so yeah, um, just to, just to summarize that part of it, just, yeah chuck yourself into it head first watch watch as much as many as many youtube videos as you can whether they're related to your business in any way or whether they're not just to start to understand how influencers talk about products and how therefore you could envisage them talking about yours um, because whilst a lot of agencies us us included at Fluential love to get involved in the strategy side Obviously, you know your brand uh, better than we ever will. Um, and on top of that, you might already have some really good ways that you're selling the brand. And if you see an influencer do something that actually looks like it could align nicely with them, it might be that all you need a, ha- a hand with is finding the right influencers, um, uh, at which point you could turn to an agency. And the same kind of goes for the next person, too. Um, and with the caution, I think, again, it just comes to it comes to just having these conversations, you know, talking um, to people from other agencies, and again, I just want to say to be completely neutral not not just me, not just myself um but you know the the right agencies will always be happy to share case studies with you um and at the end of the day, um an agency should always explore a potential lead i feel like i you know i i've um i 've had people who've spoken to me for a year before and not gone ahead with me, and it doesn 't Bother me, and I think everyone should be the same because I've also had people who've spoken to me for a year, and then on month thirteen they've come in as a client. Fantastic! I'm, you know, I'm even more glad that I've spent that year with them. So I think you should be you should be as inquisitive as you are, and we should expect you to be as a as influencer agency owners. We should expect you to come to us with a bit of caution and say, well, can you just give me some some stats on what you've done before? And you know how many sales are you generating? Everything like that. And I can, you know, I can, and I'm sure other people can, can just turn around and say, yes, absolutely. I completely understand why you're worried. Um, because I'd probably be worried too, if I wasn't working in it and just looking at it from the outside. But Here are some stats. Here's what we've done for other people. And here's it working. Now you can see that it works. What would you like to do? So be as curious as you possibly can be, both with the influencers and with the agencies. um, And and just approach it, you know, as a pretend that it forget that it used to exist as affiliate marketing or as word of mouth. Pretend that it's a completely new thing um, and just try and learn as much as you can from all the sources that are on offer.
0: Amazing. Perfect. Um, I think we'll we'll end there, Harry. I mean, one, one last thing, I guess, shameless plug time, website, social media, that sort of thing, tell everyone where they can find you.
1: Yeah, fantastic. Um, okay, so to be honest, if you want to see the most content, you're probably better off finding me personally on LinkedIn because it's the one thing that I do have time to manage. Um, so you can find me by searching my name, Harry Seaton. However, if you would like to look at some stats and also some of the brands we've worked with, then head over to fluential.co.uk. Um, you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram, and I try and keep them updated as best as I can. But the, the more personal content will be on my LinkedIn, and the more business and commercial side of things, and the stats will actually, you'll find them on our website. So, um, so yeah, I'd go to my LinkedIn and our website. i tell you what, why, don't, why not, all of you listening right now, open up two tabs and check them out right now. It'll <laughs> take you about 60 seconds. <laughs>
0: Awesome. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast, Harry. Really great conversation. And I hope people feel a little bit more enlightened about the influencer marketing world now. So thank you.
1: No, thanks for having me, Louis. My first one, hopefully first of many, <laughs> but if it's not, then, you know, it will be the the best first and last one I could have ever Amazing.
0: done. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. We'll have to do another one and dive a little bit deeper Definitely. into some campaigns. Awesome. Thanks, yeah, Harry.
1: Absolutely. Cheers. Cool. Cheers.